Hello and welcome to the Wilf Podcast. A podcast about women I like to follow. We are your hosts. I am Amy. I am Tess. And it's been a minute. It's been a lot of minutes. We recorded our last episode mid-March. Yes. And since then, oh, has the world shifted. We don't need to be explicit, but we will, because why be coy? That's right. <laughs> We're in week, uh, about to start week 15 of lockdown, or of, uh, of sheltering in place. Sure, yeah. Mm. Um, there, I think uh, we are in week... Seven of living in a new place? Yes. Week three of a global racial reckoning. Mm-hmm. In response to the murders of black people by the police now and throughout history so yeah big big times <laughs> i didn't know how to segue <laughs> out of that i'm sorry uh, <laughs> yes and we uh took a break from the podcast because the world was all all up and up and out yeah it wasn't explicitly it was we were in different places for a little while and it was not going to be easy to do it long distance. And then we had a, just a very full plates and then very full minds. Yes. And hearts. Yes. And now we feel maybe we have some room. Yeah. I would, we have certainly not forgotten the Wilfs throughout this whole time of mm-hmm. spending a lot of time alone or at home with each other consuming media. We have taken in a lot of the Wilf stuff. That is true. But before we get to the Wilfs, we did want to catch you up on what's been going on with us for the last three months. Mm-hmm. So we thought we would each, um, you know what, I don't know who listening to this will know exactly what we're stealing this from, but I'll mm. just let you know this is plagiarism. <laughs> um, on the Harry Potter and the Sacred Text podcast, they do 30-second recaps of Harry Potter chapters. Harry Potter, another hot button issue of our time. Sure. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but we ins- we are going to steal their 30 second recap and do it about each other's lives. Can you plagiarize a ritual or is that just spreading the ritual? Oh, boy. I mean, we are citing it. MLA format. <laughs> yeah. I will the- check the bibliography. <laughs> the bibliog. Uh, so, okay, do you want to go first and should I go first? Sure. You want to go first? Okay, this is a 30 second recap of Amy's last three months. We have not prepared these ahead of time, nor told each other what we're going to say. Yeah, nope, no, really no idea. (laughs) Oh gosh. Ready, set, go. Uh, At the beginning of all of this, Amy was very excited about uh, hosting a big 30th birthday celebration event party in Savannah. It was going to be a whole week. Airbnbs were booked for many people, including me. And that was one of the first schedule losses of this time. And so instead of that, uh, she went to North Carolina to her hometown and stayed in her brother's Airbnb for five weeks and had a lot of family time, perhaps the most... Time! Is, that was 30 seconds? <laughs> You're so detailed. You're so, oh, like... God. You didn't... You weren't, like, Amy turned 30, there was going to be Savannah, but there wasn't. You're like, there are many Airbnbs booked for me. Airbnb. And I will say that Amy spent the most time with her family continuously than she had since high school. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, it's strange as an adult to do that. It's yeah. Not bad, but... Odd. Yes. It makes you really un, especially at a moment when you're a big, a big moment like turning thirty. It made me feel very odd about the fact that I am twice as old as a fifteen-year-old because I still felt very much like a fifteen-year-old spending time with my family like that. It's just very weird. Yeah. So. Wow, I don't think I did a great job at that, but I got the most important I, part, which yeah. was celebrating you and your birthday, which did not Thank get its you. full due this year. And I, I am saying to you and to everyone else who has not been able to do something that they wanted to do that didn't seem like a big deal because you, or it was a big deal, but you didn't want to acknowledge it because the world was much, you know, had much bigger things. It's okay to grieve the 30th birthday parties that you didn't get to have. Thank you. I did and I do. <laughs> um... Should I fill in any blanks or should we just, that's what the people need to know and we'll leave it at that. What else could there have been? I don't know. I finished a semester's worth of work. Oh yeah, that is true. (laughs) (laughs) You did get rid of a lot of clothes. Yes, I did. I guess that's really 
that's really the big mm-hmm. the, the big you've been reading a lot of books but yeah uh i i learned a lot about a woman named ann hutchinson mm. look her up she's fascinating wikipedia mm, wikipedia yeah she wasn't really a witch she was a minister but you know whatever mm. um okay she do you want to time me okay i got it you got it mm-hmm okay and oh there's a new function on my time app what's happening stop it Okay, and go. Since we have gone into social isolation, Tess has been diligently working for her young people, hosting daily, week daily, uh, Zoom gatherings, uh, and, and making sure that they are staying engaged with each other and their brains and their feelings. And she also bought her first house, y'all. <laughs> it's a condo. Um, and we moved into it, and then that was a big deal. And, and then time. We were, yeah. <laughs> yes, that, that was indeed the big, yes. Yeah. That was it. Been working, bought a house. <laughs> bought a home. <laughs> been, been working, <laughs> moved. Home. Yeah. Um, and we moved into it, and we are here now. And just today, Amy brought over the last bits and bobs from the old apartment. Yeah, scrubbed out that refrigerator, and let me tell you, it made me feel gross inside and out. Mm, yes, because all of that was our remains. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> our food's remains. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so that's all empty, and now we're here, and each day we do a little bit more to make this place our home. Yes. We've had many, many long hours conversations about our shifting relationships. It's true. Sometimes we pretend to be other people. That's a fun, uh, weird thing that's happening when we only really see each other yes, every day. Yes, we've been doing uh, role plays based on Gilmore Girls. Yep. And I want to be clear because I told another friend that's not sexual role oh, play. Oh, of course not. Purely conversational. It just, we want to socialize with yeah. Other folks. Yeah. So we become other folks. Um, we've always done that, even pre-virus. That's true, but it feels more pronounced. Yeah, now. certainly. We we yeah we gotta you know make improv where you can. Yeah. Um, uh, not neither of us have really done improv in. Yeah. Months. Months. Uh, yeah, so there's, uh, plants are happening in the home, and I assembled some furniture today. Got a beautiful new kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh. I got, I got a chair. Oh, the chair is handsome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, settling in, nesting, it feels important, and it feels very grown up and real to very nest so. here, because you will be here for a very, very long time. I hope so. And I will be here for qu- quite a while. Yes. Probably. Um, so that's what's been going on with us. Yes. So... Um, now that we know what's going on with us, you may wonder, what's going on with those women? Indeed. Those women's we like to follow. Wait. Thwats. Those women over there. <laughs> twats. Thwats. Twats. Oh, no. Twats. Twats. That works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... Uh, in the last episode, I was about halfway through reading Untamed, which was Glennon's memoir that came out this year. Mm-hmm. I came finished out in it. March. Mm-hmm. Finished it. It was the it was the last thing I bought before everything stopped happening, and then I gave it to you to take home. Yes, I took it with me to North Carolina and read it over quite a few lovely afternoons mm. on a screen porch mm. in the North Carolina springtime. And I would say we were both moved by this book. Yes, it felt. Powerful. Occasionally, occasionally on the nose, occasionally like, Glennon couldn't be more Glennon. She's Glennoning all over the place. Or she would say something that you're like, does she talk, does she know about me and my thing? Because that speaks right to it. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Yes. (laughs) Did she listen to what we had said? Um, but, (laughs) um, But yeah, it was a beautiful book about her... Her life, her more recent adult life in the dissolution of her marriage, her first marriage mm-hmm. to a man, and her finding Abby Wambach and falling head over heels. Yeah. Aren't we always head over heels? You're right. Mm. We especially both... Uh, Ass over tea kettle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it means. <laughs> yeah. We... Uh, Amy has written down some quotes from the book that yes. are good. 
Yes, I won't read all of them, but we were looking at these before. Um, one that I noted is, This life is mine alone, so I have stopped asking people for directions to places they've never been. Love that. You and I had a long late night conversation a couple of weeks ago about, I didn't check with you if I can talk about this, but if about how you're living a life that no one you know has lived. Yes, that's okay. Yeah, I, um, that's, I think common knowledge to any, most people who know me. Not, not, I, and I don't want to be too grandiose about that. I don't want to take credit for like breaking boundaries and like, I'm the, I'm not, I'm not breaking a lot of cultural norms, right. just personal norms. Yeah, I'm professional. Of, uh, that I, um, um, no one in my family, um, except for my older brother ever moved, like lived in my immediate family, moved out of state. Um, and I'm the only one that did it on her own. None of the women in my family that I know of ever lived on their own before they were married. Wow. It only ever happened after a divorce or a widowing. Mm. Um, and, and the career that I am trying to sort of, what is this? Chiseling? Called? Chisel out for myself. <laughs> I'm just doing the chiseling motion like Michelangelo. <laughs> um, the career that I'm trying to chisel out for myself, I don't have a, um, per- I'm finding people who I can point to who I can say I want to do a version of what they do. But there isn't a, like, I can't say I'm going to be a doctor mm-hmm. or a firefighter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been reading a lot of firefighter romance novels uh, lately. Yeah, And none of them are making you want to be a firefighter? Think of all the romance you could have. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, it's hard sometimes to explain what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And it is hard sometimes to ask for other people's input. And I have realized often I need to not ask for other people's input and just tell them what I'm doing. Right. Um, have you felt that way? Um, I think I, in my future I have ideas for a career that I have not seen before. Some combination of grief therapist, ghostwriter of people's dying memoirs, <laughs> um, education something... Mm-hmm. Um, but I think people kind of cobble together careers in the, in the mental health world. So that's not so unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess so. H- have you had the experience of asking for advice and realizing you just needed to tell someone what you wanted? Yeah. Probably around in the area of, asking. in the area of, of dating. Yeah. Like frantically looking around to explain, you know, could somebody explain why I'm feeling this? And sometimes I get good answers that land and other times I'm like, wait a second, you don't, you're not at all. You've been, you know, married since you were 20, whatever it is. Um, (laughs) And you don't know my experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I think we both really as, as single women in our late twenties, early thirties who have had very limited dating experience that very few of, or less and less of our peers and even people older than us know exactly what this stage of life. Right. In this time. In this time is like. Yeah. And so sometimes they, they're great advice can pop up, yeah. but sometimes you're like, well, I don't know. Yeah. yeah you, that's, that's not, where the, you the have whole... not been a single 30 year old woman during a pandemic right. in Philadelphia. So why am I asking you? Right. Um, I think about that every time somebody says, well, you know, it happens when you least expect it. It's like, how do I stop expecting what to what to expect when you're not expecting? So we really enjoyed this book. There yes. were, um, it was funny. It was heartwarming. There were parts that were repeats of her previous books. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, great line when she's the describing the first time she meets Abby mm-hmm. at a at an event a librarian's conference and it just this whole scene is dripping with chemistry <laughs> yeah i was very jealous of oh, this whole yeah episode and and moved and like oh, oh yeah i like to hear real life love stories mhm i think it's it's really i mean i like to hear any love story <laughs> but there's something like there's, I think, because I have not experienced it, a, a cynical side of myself that mm-hmm. I really muscle into the tiniest kernel, um, that 
sometimes it's like, does anyone really feel right. that deep infatuation, that wild chemistry and feeling drawn to someone else? But I believe I believe yeah. that she had, or else why would she have put herself through all this? <laughs> why would she? It, it doesn't make sense. It, it makes no good sense to uh, divorce your husband when you're on a book tour about your ma- ma- about fixing your marriage. Right. For a woman, when you've never dated a woman before, mm. and a hugely famous woman <laughs> at that, um, who's also on a book tour about her... Sobriety? Battle with alcoholism, yeah, I think. I, I don't remember. It's just, it's a big, complicated right. choice. It's going to make things really difficult. And I don't know why you would do it unless... It was risk. It brought you all the way lit up to life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you read the last um, quote? Yeah. Uh, she said, we imagined this life before it existed. She's talking about how before she and Abby got married and set up their family's home and... Naples. There was a. I think she's specifically talking about a time when they were. Most of their relationship was over email. Oh, oh, yeah. That is my prime, <laughs> best writing. You, yeah. I, I think you would really, really thrive in an epistolatory romance. Oh, <laughs> yes, I would. So anyway. I almost had one two years ago, remember? Or a year and a half oh, ago. Oh, yes. We won't say the name. Yes. But right when I moved in, you were having some some nearly... Nearly almosts. Yeah. Uh, some not-nothings. Right. Over mail. Um, so anyway, they're exchanging these emails and um, imagining the one day when they can be together. Right. Sitting on their porch looking at the sunset. And then they worked and worked and worked to make that happen and now they have it yeah she, i think when she writes that is like she's literally in the moment of like taking a drink taking a, a cup of tea out to abby on their porch on the water yeah and sitting down with her and like remembering the emails where like we will buy a house on the water right. we'll sit and watch the sunset together and like hold each other and i yeah i think it's very beautiful another quote i wrote down is um, before imagination becomes three-dimensional, it usually needs to become two-dimensional. Mm. Um, Meaning you have to be able, like, writing about it can enable you to imagine it? Yeah, or, like, if you have an, if you're imagining something and your heart... And, there's a quote I have uh, on my... that um, my wonderful friend Sam got me a print of a paper-cut piece of art by a man named Rob Ryan, who's a British paper-cut artist who's paper cutting artists i don't know uh it's beautiful and i'm going to i'm going to butcher the quote right now but it's it's basically um i thought about it with my mind and i longed for and and i wanted it with my heart and i longed for it with all of my uh soul but i made it with my hands Mm. which is i think the same thing she's saying here where you can have a fantasy or a desire in your mind and once you write about it, um, you can maybe start to take it seriously enough to start pursuing it. Yeah. I think um, I wrote down somewhere recently, sometimes I don't know if I am waiting for my future to happen, my life to happen to me, or if I can just go out and make it. Because mm. um, sometimes it's, there seem to be messages of like, oh, just like, you know, do this and the rest will fall into place. And it's so vague. And then other times you hear about people's stories of like, you know, chasing after lovers or whatever. And you're like, oh, is that what I should be doing? Anyway, it's always a spectrum. Sure. Be- yeah. Yeah. Um, There's not one way to make. Yeah. I, when we future. last recorded this, I do recall thinking, I, I do recall imagining sitting here in this space, doing this with you mm-hmm. in a much nicer home. <laughs> <laughs> and we have it now. It's, it's yeah. Here. Oh, yes. So we were going to say specifically on um, the the topic of that I think is is very much a part of Untamed, which is the value of imag- imagining and a fantasy. It's not quite the secret. She's not going that far of like, just put it out into the universe and it will come to you. But, listener. Mid-January, <laughs> my mother and I begin the search 
for a house for me. Yes, my mother helped me purchase this place. I am not ashamed to say that now. (laughs) Um, And we looked at a couple places and they were like, okay. And then we, my mom really wanted to find a condo in this area because she thought that would be very manageable for me. And so she found there was like one building that in this area that has condos and there was one way too expensive, too large unit in the needed a bunch of renovations but she's like i just want to see the building and like get get to know what's there so we go and see it and we run around we're like this is so much space oh my god oh my god we really were doing a lot of fantasies in that place we're like this will be the podcast studio this will be the (laughs) the dance studio and we got a tour of the building and we're like oh it's so beautiful oh it's so like it's so much what we need. Yeah. It's historic. I, I tagged along, obviously, because I'm the tagger along in mm-hmm. this saga. And so we were like, okay, well, now we know a little bit more about the building. And so we stood outside on the sidewalk outside this building. Mm-hmm. And we looked up at this building. And we secreted into the universe. Yes. I don't know which one of us said, like, hey. I think look, it was you. I think it probably was. Because you can it take sounds credit. like something I would do. You were like, say what you want. And my yeah. mother and I stood there and we said... We want to find a two-bedroom condo in this area within this price range, available at this time. That doesn't need, that's been renovated in the last 10 years. And, um, you know, just et cetera, et cetera. And our real estate agent just kind of stood there and was like, "Uh uh-huh, sure, uh (laughs) uh-huh. And then we go home and Amy goes on Zillow, I swear to you, three hours later. (laughs) And there it was. There it was. The just came on the market that morning. Yeah, the exact unit that we had talked about standing yeah. in front of the building being like, oh, we wish it would be there. Indeed. And now, I'm not saying that we infiltrated the minds of the women who were living here before and made sure. them want to move with our magic. Right. Um, but I would not have looked if we had not talked so much about how much we wanted to live here indeed and you had not been clear about what you needed from a place in order for you and your mom to take it seriously absolutely and this is the year of the want for me Mm -hmm. and so i i am getting more comfortable with saying what i want and it it really worked out now of course there's many factors that go into this oh sure we'll get into it later one of them being white privilege but (laughs) (laughs) here we are now um and I'm very, I am more mystified with life than I used to be. <laughs> mm, very good. Um, so yeah, if you have Untamed has been around, but if you haven't read it yet, what? why not? What the heck are you doing? You tamed? Get untamed. <laughs> Get untamed. So uh, the that is not the only big Wilf project that has happened since our last episode. Dame Brene Brown, not actually a dame. <laughs> she feels like a dame. She could be damed. Um, dame of Texas. Grand <laughs> Dame of Texas. She started her podcast, Unlocking Us, at the beginning of March, and has been releasing almost weekly episodes, I think. Yeah, and we we are not fully caught up. But we do be chomping. we skipped a couple, but we are, we are listeners. We yeah. are getting unlocked. On, on top of that, we listen on our own time, like, you know, separately in our schedule, and then we talk at length about <laughs> what comes up. So really, they do each become texts. Yes. To dissect. Um, yeah. A, um, a couple um, episodes that stood out to us. One is we, she had an episode about the Enneagram that we mm-hmm. got really into, but it appears it's been taken down. Yeah. We don't know why. We have talked about the Enneagram in the past before, like with each other. I don't know mm-hmm. if we've talked about it on here. I don't think we have. Um, but it's always, like other personality things, it's an interesting, it's a lens. That's yes. all. It's if not a diagnosis. If you the Enneagram is, it's a, a personality inventory no a personality test basically yeah. you don't, you it doesn't have to be a test you can just read the descriptions and be like that one's me right <laughs> but there are nine types there are many interpretations of each type or like ver- versions but narratives that connect to their childhoods sure um but it's fun <laughs> and, and it, it's, it's another way to insightful. talk it's another way to talk about ourselves and understand sure. ourselves yeah. love it astrology yeah um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so we enjoyed that. I listened to that one while I was painting Amy's new room. Oh, yes, we painted my yes. new room. It's lovely. It's wonderful. We had a good, that was a good day. We mm-hmm. did not get mad at each other at all, right? 
No, we yeah. didn't. In fact, in this whole process, we made sure to prioritize emotional labor <laughs> so that we would not have to do much manual labor. <laughs> that is real. We, uh, we had a lot of preemptive talks about everything that might become challenging. And now we have monthly check-ins. Yes. Formal meetings. No one is as evolved as us, is what we're saying. And if you think you are, you're kidding yourselves. <laughs> Uh, uh, just kidding. I'm petty. Um, I, uh, one of the episodes of Brene Brown's podcast that we really liked was, uh, a non-interview one that she did, just her talking about, um, and, uh, uh, stress response. Yes. Which actually was very helpful in us talking about how our move would go. Yes. Because we are two very different people. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, no. So she was talking about how when people are under stress, they generally respond in one of two ways. Either they overfunction or underfunction. Yes. Overfunctioning. Maybe you should describe overfunctioning and I will describe yes, underfunctioning. Let's stay in our lanes. <laughs> in response to stress, I, as an overfunctioner, will get my butt into gear. I will move things. I will change things. I will fix things. I will talk to people about it. I will do the dishes really late at night. I will, um, take action, take action, make lists, control, cross things off list, not ask for help, take things off of other people's plates because I'll just get them done faster. Yes. And as an under functioner, uh, when I become stressed, I retreat inside myself and I observe myself and I observe the world and I um, feel a lot of things and arguably I feel everybody else's. If, if over-functioners take all the tasks off other people's plates, under-functioners take all the emotions mm. off other people's plates and just process them all and feel them all themselves. Yes. Um, over-functioners or under-functioners can can be and I because Brene is an overfunctioner, I feel she didn't have full insight into like the utility of underfunctioning, like why people do that. But she described how they are often seen, which is a way I have been insecure about being seen in my life, which is that you become relatively incapable and need to be taken care of. Um and that you're somewhat you shut down a little bit under, uh, under pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, this is from the April 3rd episode of Brene yes. Brown. Um, and you felt like that wasn't, what do you think is the utility? Um, well, I think emotional processing and, uh, and like actually like feeling the, the magnitude and the gravity of things as they are like, I, sometimes things hit me after the fact, but often it's like, oh, something huge is happening. I immediately understand how impactful this mm-hmm. will be. And I'm there like, oh, I'm just going to do what I normally do, but do it more. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's that. I think um, there's the sort of slowing down and, and observing. So mm-hmm. things that might go sort of unnoticed and um, get noticed. And I think there's also the reminding everyone else around you and also taking care for yourself of the deep need to process stress through rest. Mm -hmm. So, and I would say we have lived out these lenses in the Mm. last six weeks since Mm -hmm. we've moved. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. And over-functioning, I think, has very obvious utility. Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Getting things done. Are there things that you feel... I think I kind of described the the pitfalls of underfunctioning being yes. feeling unhelpful, seeming lazy, seeming fragile. And I would say the pitfalls of overfunctioning are not taking time to process mm-hmm. and make sure everybody is okay. Um, sometimes I do things without realizing that they might just solve themselves. Mm. Um, so I might, I don't know, put something together before realizing like, oh, maybe we don't actually need that thing in this space, but I just want to get it done. Or might throw something out that I later realize like, oh, I should have kept that. Um, And it can create a disconnect between an underfunctioner who's around, which has, which if, if these two people aren't talking to each other, both start developing stories about what the other one thinks about them. Yes. 
It, yeah, sure. Yeah. Definitely uh, ripe for resentment. Yes. And then also... And, yeah. and insecurity. Just generally yeah. like, oh, do they think... Do they think I'm lazy? Do, do they, they think, think I'm, I'm a busybody? Yeah. Um, but it was interesting. It was oddly great timing for her to release that episode right when we were starting to talk about the process of moving. Yeah. So we could both say, like, this is how I'm going to cope with this. Right. And for me, it's been like, okay, every day I walk through the space and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get that box. Why haven't I gotten that box done? I need to do it now. And Amy's like, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> and I could learn from that. <laughs> Yes, and also, like, I have, no, don't freak out. Oh, no, what? In the past, at one point, I left move-in boxes full of stuff that I hadn't moved in in the hallway of a place I lived for two full years. Wow, and is that stuff currently in this home? Not most of it. Okay, good. <laughs> um, and living with someone who... Who clearly does not live that way, yeah. <laughs> and and who's able to explain your desire for things to be settled and done? Mm-hmm. I am not going to get things done quickly, but I will realize that it's important for things to actually mm-hmm. get done, and I will push myself to. We also now have the potential for you to heal of the previous bidet issue that you had not that an, a bidet caused her an issue but in your last that place mm. you install half installed a bidet did I, not complete it it didn't work because of a plumbing issue it wasn't my fault it was the way the sink was set up it was a whole thing but have we resolved it or have we just run into another bidet issue well back then you didn't do anything about it for a long time yes this we currently got a bidet this that was our first purchase for this place and we have not fully installed it uh, I have thought about it. Yeah. But we I ran like, into some plumbing issues. Yes, but it's really, it is solvable and it will be solved. Yes. <laughs> but it not being solved, I feel okay about it because you're not like, we need to solve it. <laughs> <laughs> what about this bidet? <laughs> no, I can live with a, a non-functioning bidet for so long. Doesn't it taunt you? A little bit, yes. Yeah, me too. Uh, we'll, 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 well, I'll keep trying. Mostly when I realize how nice it would be to have a bidet. Yeah, this podcast is sponsored by <laughs> Tushi. <laughs> That's not our brand. Um, anyway, we've barely talked about Brene. We just got deep into our own over and under functioning. Uh, which has been the theme of listening to her a lot. We listen, yeah. we talk, we learn about ourselves. Very interesting guests. I definitely think it's a good podcast. I think she is... Um, her, her warm southern auntie. Yes, and and while it, I do like... Her solo episodes where she is exploring one of her own concepts on her own. I think I appreciate more her interviews where one, it's not so scripted. She's a little more natural. Um, wait, wait, wait. Can you say that again? <laughs> Can you just say that again? That's pretty. <laughs> Which I love because yeah. how many times have I heard something fascinating in a podcast and I'm like, well, there it goes. Can't hold on to it. It's gone forever. I could just rewind. But mm-hmm. she, she frequently, wait, wait, wait. That was a, wait, just say, stop. Say, say that again. again. And some people get it and repeat exactly what they just said. Like their little golden nugget. And some people are like, what's happening? And they just start rambling around what they just yeah. said. But I think she has really fascinating people as guests, mm-hmm. really smart. Uh, highly accomplished, uh, insightful people. It is a little. She's so Texan. Oh yeah, he, he, y'all. <laughs> I got there. Um, her. <laughs> she does these ads for a gr- gluten-free tortilla. Siete. Siete foods. Siete foods. Yeah, uh, like apparently they're really helping out Taco Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Every day is Taco Tuesday in the Brown House. Uh, so we're enjoying it. Hop on into her train. Yeah. Choo choo. <laughs> choo choo. Uh, yeah. Unlocking Us. Great podcast. Great. Adapted very stuff. well to these times. I'm sure when we are not trying to catch up on three months of wolf <laughs> c- content, we will be able to like react to certain particularly episodes. impactful episodes. And hopefully do what we did today, which is not just recap what she did, but yeah. talk about like 
what it brought up in us. Yeah. Another quick suggestion. I've been listening to Layla Saad's Good Ancestor podcast, and her guest this week was Sarah Jones, a really, really amazing performer, and I've, I've enjoyed that conversation a lot. Sarah Jones is also the guest on my favorite episode of another Wolf's podcast. Woo! Uh, Magic Lessons with Elizabeth Gilbert, which only had two seasons long ago. When Not she, on Spotify, so I've only ever listened to that one episode. <laughs> when she was... Uh, Uh, promoting her book Big Magic but the first episode of season two is one of my favorite pieces of media and Amy shared it with me when we were on the way to a blueberry festival in New Jersey at which she ate crab cakes in the hot festival heat got a migraine and threw those crab cakes up oh yeah it was righteous (laughs) righteous <laughs> sorry to bring that up <laughs> it was a bad day you made it through it was really i got so light sensitive if you were a wolf you would have turned that into a memoir chapter we nearly didn't get blueberries oh my god you're right yeah that line was so long um speaking of Layla sod yes uh so you may remember uh that earlier this year we went to see a live event with Layla sod in philadelphia where she was um, talking about her book, Me and White Supremacy. Which is a workbook based on an Instagram event that she did two years ago, uh, where she invited her followers, many of whom are white women, to journal for 28 days uh, about their connection and relationship to facets of white supremacy. We enjoyed her talk. We bought the books. We did not do anything with them. Um, We talked about it. mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not 100% avoidance, but I would say it was over 50% avoidance. I agree. Yes, it did. It, I would say I fell into the trap of, oh, this will always be an issue. It'll always be there. Mm -hmm. I'll get to it when I get to it. Sure. I did, I did like two days and I didn't follow up. Yeah. I sort of did the, I will do this when I finish my semester, but was already making plans for other things things I wanted to read when I finished my semester and like Mm -hmm. projects I wanted to get started on that would be more uh, fun and less personally challenging. Mm -hmm. But uh, the world world slapped us in the face. (laughs) Yeah, the world was like, no, (laughs) no. That's right. So after the murder of George Floyd on May 25th and... That, in conjunction with other police murders, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Tony McDade, all of these people that you know, hopefully have heard their names, um, are feeds and are were flooded, and our and our moral centers were <laughs> uh, <laughs> shook. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, we we were um, we spent probably two days just fully being inundated with the news and and I think both thinking about it all day every day what do we do what do we do everybody else also thinking about it and talking about it um and by everyone else I I would say yes I would say obviously acknowledging that plenty of black people people of color have been working on this for centuries <laughs> and yes. thinking about it and dealing with it and processing it. And we in the, and, in yeah. the white liberal moderate were like, Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. We're here. Uh, and so we decided that this is one thing that we could do, that it connected to our already existing interests of wolf following. Yes. That we had been handed the tool to deal with this moment months ago, months ago. <laughs> and we said, huh, what a useful tool. One day I'll use it. Okay, that um, day is now. So we started on June 1st. Yes, and um, uh, we have been doing it every day except for two, two rest days. Rest days. Um, and it, it is hard. Yes, very much so. We did um, day, what was it, 17 today? Me and white saviorism. Yes. Um, and... We can't recommend it because we haven't finished it. And she explicitly says, don't recommend it until you've done it. Yeah. Go through the process yourself before you tell other people (laughs) that they should take it on. On a podcast. But I will say that it has brought very insightful conversations for us and has informed my action taking. Yes. I think 
I'm happy that we chose to do this. It is not the only action that either of us have taken this month, but it has been a touchstone that every day we're going to sit down with this separately, sit down with this book, read about white supremacy and how it has affected us and infiltrated our thinking and our behavior and, um, and reflect on it and write about it mm-hmm. and dig in. And then we, almost every day we end up talking about it. Mm-hmm. And it's, I feel it is good foundation laying for the lifelong work mm-hmm. of becoming more anti-racist, of calling out white supremacy, of um, just being better <laughs> certainly and and doing more and doing more consciously yeah. not not incidentally or just because everyone else mm-hmm. is doing it but because of a, a deeper understanding and and drive mm-hmm. um yeah it's been uh it's it's a i i'm glad i've done it so far um especially because i don't think i've ever done sit down and write every day mm. about the same topic ever no, me neither. Not like this. Yeah, and at first, there are some things where I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to write about regarding this topic. And you pull a thread, and this memory comes, and you think about, oh, that thing I said to that one person 10 years ago, and oh, what about that whole, th- you know. It, it is something that you realize that you have almost a memory for everything, that you have a lot of weird information floating around in your brain that you don't usually acknowledge like there's a day where you list america's stereotypes about black men and black women Um, children and it is alarming how many come up it really is it and how they're just there they're just in my mind even if i don't believe them the knowledge of them of so many stereotypes is just right I and many I don't know where they came from I can't yeah. say oh that's this character on this TV show or someone told me that once it's just like no this is just in yeah. the world <laughs> some of the other um, days include mm-hmm. me and white apathy me and anti-blackness against black children me and white to- uh, me and tokenism tone policing white centering but the um I think one important thing about what we're saying about how you you pull a thread and you realize that you actually do have a memory of it being relevant or you have a feeling that it came up or you have associations that you didn't realize are floating around in your mind is that you realize the um that this isn't just a weight you carry this isn't just like um a way you behave badly. Mm-hmm. It is a an invisible weight that you carry in your mind. Mm-hmm. Where it, that I have regretted small moments and things I have said, and some larger moments. And but I've had that sense of of regret, or that wasn't good, mm-hmm. or oh, I'm embarrassed, I'm queasy about this thing I said or did for years. Oh yeah, and never had a plate. No, was never invited to explore it and put it on paper and just admit that sucked. Yep. That was wrong. I did a bad, yeah, I did the <laughs> wrong thing. Yeah, and I can do better. I don't yeah. have to just try to forget that it right. happened. I right. can say, oh, I messed up. I'm going to not do that again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yes, I've definitely had moments of like, oh, I really thought that that was an objective truth. Mm. specifically in the area of therapy mm-hmm. i have been i i have drunk the Kool-Aid of western psychological thought that therapy and mental health looks like two people sitting across from each other on couches and talking about their feelings mm-hmm. and that is how you get to self-actualization not and i and i believe that and also know that that is just one <laughs> yeah not the only not and not for everyone. Right, exactly. Um, and that within that relationship, there is always power. So I had a lot of talks with my um, Chinese-American therapist about, <laughs> about like, can you ever take 
power out of a relationship. And he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think I am much more comfortable with the idea that white supremacy comes in many, many, many flavors and actions and moments and that I am racist from living in this racist society. But I, I would say, I, I think just to... And can be anti-racist. Yes, I think... Not, you're not comfortable with the idea of your own racism. No. But I... Or I assume... I assume you're not comfortable. But you realize that you... Um, I think a good part of this is... Through the act of repetition, becoming less afraid to admit mistakes mm-hmm. um, and blind spots. And more willing to address the need for change mm-hmm. is still not easy that sounds like oh yeah it's you never just going, do it every, it's never going to be easy <laughs> yeah literally every day i'm like oh mm-hmm. and i just like but you do feel it. a little queasy and and heavy um but yeah we keep doing it and it has gotten less intent i not i've gotten more f- fluid I yeah, I, I, it feels like a less heavy weight than it mm-hmm. did in the beginning. It feels like less that it dominates my, the rest of my day with, oh no, <laughs> that. I think that one of the positives of social media from the last couple of years is that I've been kind of inoculated to a lot of these ideas. Like I was, fam- I've been pretty much familiar with everything that she has said, because um, I have seen it mentioned at some point by... Mm-hmm. somebody on Instagram. Um, it's just the next step of then connect. specifically thinking about your own experience. Yeah. Which yeah. is really important. You cannot be anti-racist without examining yourself. Um, and this, uh, that being said, this is not the only way to do that. Correct. This is a wealthy way to do that, which is why we're talking yeah. about it on the podcast. Yes. Um, I think... Uh, yeah, I think that's basically um, so. Where we're at. Was there anything else? Any particular days that you wanted to? Today, white saviorism was was impactful. I wrote more on this day than I had in others because I work in education mm-hmm. with a diverse group of kids and um, racially, and have worked in education in a variety of ways for a lot of years. And it it just is so easy to fall into that if you're a white educator. Um, and I, I wrote down something I had heard a long time ago, which was, you're not going into the hood to give these kids a voice. They already have a voice. Shut up and listen. Mm, um, mm-hmm. and I think of like, like the freedom writers and other coach Carter and other, uh, mm-hmm. although that was a black coach, but, um, the, the, the one with dangerous minds. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. We, yep. Yeah. Um, and it's so soothing to be like, Oh, they need me. Mm. I'm going to go in there and I know enough. And it's like, if you were a fly on the wall, you would see an entire ecosystem <laughs> that does not need your white ass. <laughs> um, yeah. I think a day that, um, I don't know. A lot of days brought up, brought up a lot for me. Um, but I think one um, that I already, that I knew going into it, I was like, ooh, 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 is white fragility. Is That was day two, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Day two. I just got knocked all the way out. Um, and it's not, it wasn't anything I wasn't already aware of, but just more looking at it head on of how I, how hard it is to to admit fault how yeah, yeah, and to disrupt your world and, and to be challenged um and to to see a through line between your day-to-day which seems so innocuous and the the white supremacy you see on the news like yeah that it yeah. is connected i realize we have spent a lot of time talking about ourselves and our and our world uh-huh. and we have not said that Black Lives Matter, which we fully believe. Yes, Black Lives Matter. Black Wilfs Matter, because they are churning out some good stuff. 
Yes. And we are following it. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I think um, a very small action that we can take to improve this project and make it more actively anti-racist is to more intentionally follow more black women. And mention them. And mention them and share them. And in the way that we do the women we already follow, who we still greatly admire, obviously. And they have all been... And will continue to follow. Yes, and they have all been quite silent in the last couple of weeks and am- using their platform to amplify. Yes, they have been... black women. Not silent on Black Lives Matter, but just not sharing their own voices, but amplifying black women's voices and black people's voices. Yes. And so we, um, we can commit to doing the same moving forward. Um, it will be probably imperfect Mm -hmm. but we can use this platform that we have to amplify more black women's voices Mm -hmm. and and celebrate them in the way that we celebrate all the wolves which is reveling in their quirks (laughs) marveling at their bizarre personal lives listening to their podcasts and being deeply moved by their insights and inspired by what they contribute to the world so we will attempt as we launch back into further podcasting to uh, not tokenize or center whiteness. Not tokenize blackness or people of color, not center whiteness. That's right. Um, yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. We will try. Yep. I, I am trying to be less... Um, uh, judgmental of myself as I do all of this and talk about it because I don't want my need to be right or to be white (laughs) to stop me from trying. Right. Yeah. It's scary. It's, it's scary to try because it's easy to get wrong. Yeah. And it's, and it's, uh, you know, it feels, feels good to not think about it, but that's (laughs) not enough anymore. It's not, it's not good enough. So, um, that, is is what has been up with the Wilfs. Indeed. We started this podcast a little over one year ago. Almost, yeah, like pretty much to the week. So it's kind of wild. Yeah. And we, in, we've missed a lot. But, you know. Oh, we've been taken in the culture, regardless of whether. Yeah. We've been following whether or not we've been yeah, podcasting. Right. Uh, and in a true Wilf form, you know, let's take a moment to reflect. Yes, yes. A year has come. Why, Tess, why do you think we started doing this? <laughs> I think we started doing it because we really like talking to each other about these things mm-hmm. um, and learning from them and applying them to ourselves and seeing how we differ and take in these things as a way to understand the world. Um, and we like to perform and we like the sounds of our own voices. That's a fact. And you've done a <laughs> podcast before and, and like the medium and mm-hmm. um, it felt like a good we yeah you know, we want to share the goodwill of our <laughs> of our time together. Yeah. Why do you think we started it? Uh, very similar. I think we amused ourselves a lot in our personal conversations about the wilts when we just would talk about it in the living room. I think it was a a fairly unique Venn diagram of our interests. These sort of deeply thoughtful, uh, semi therapizing. Uh, personalities mm-hmm. and when I suppose when you said this could be a podcast I thought this is a podcast now yeah, <laughs> <laughs> thought, yeah you're really right and I have a microphone thank you to my dear friend Sid Durham who gave me a microphone as a going away present yeah um, and also because I do I um, the things I put in, out into the world are are pretty mixed of uh, being really, really silly. Um, like improv. Like improv and uh, embarrassing stories. Um, and it's nice to still be silly, but to really like be, be publicly thoughtful. It mm-hmm. feels good. And why do you think, why are we doing it still? Yeah, why well, after our long yeah. break? get back into it yeah and why do we want to do it for a second year um i think it i think it's fun i think it's been fun to do 
I have been surprised and interested in the things we've said that have come up that I think come up in our conversations anyway, but being recorded adds a different element. Um, it has pushed me to actually think, like engage with these women more and think a little more critically about what they're putting out, both like, what does it really mean to me? And do I really like it? And why are they doing it? And what are, what might people who aren't me be getting out of it? And that's just interesting. And in a moment like this, I think it's a way to um, reach out to the world and also hold ourselves a little bit accountable. It's doing things in public. Yeah, I think no is, uh, is a makes you want to really try. <laughs> yeah, um, I think um, I think the Wilfs are good examples of how they are never done growing and developing. Um, I think of like Elizabeth Gilbert, who's fifty one now or whatever, and is just like vibrant as all get out, <laughs> and constantly like learning and like, oh my god, I met this new person, I read this new book, and, and Glennon, of course, has is in her second or third or fourth act of many, and, <laughs> and, um, and they inspire me to see myself as a continuous work in progress who is also complete at the same time, mm. and I think that, yeah, continuing to engage with these women and consider how um, my life is my own to to create, to chisel, if you will, um, mm-hmm. that it, 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 yeah, this podcast pushes me to, um, take it seriously. <laughs> yeah. I will also say, as we stated when we began, I, I, ooh, bless you, Ralphie. <laughs> um, I still would love to meet and talk to these women. I don't know that that's where this podcast is heading, but uh, we've had a couple Wilf likes on a couple Instagram posts. Yeah. Elizabeth Gilbert has liked a post or two. Or yeah. two. Yeah. Has any, was, is it just Elizabeth? It Gilbert? might be just her. Yeah. Well, maybe just her, but it is possible that eventually this yeah. could lead to us having a meet, real conversation with one what, of them, which I, we and meet. already we've seen three wolves live yeah in one year and i think that's great yeah and i want to keep that up <laughs> yeah and I, I it's possible that one day we will meet them and it will be a total bust that's fine sure or we'll just like i don't know be at the same buffet line at a conference and I, if Brene brown saw me putting something from a buffet line on my plate and complimented my choice of i don't know rib <laughs> Or, or we just connected for a minute about how good ribs are. Right. What a moment. What yeah. what I wouldn't give. Yeah, I don't think I have a specific topic that any of them would talk to me about. But that's okay. Oh, I guess all of mental health. But <laughs> I guess, you know, just womanhood and Grief. my whole life's work. <laughs> um, but I, I, would, I would probably chicken out and just like try to say the most ridiculous thing just to get their attention. Like the one time I saw, I met Tony Hale and I, of Buster of Arrested Development and my life. We haven't talked about this. Have I not told you this? I have seen him in person also. Oh, should we discuss this now or later? I feel like we, that's a, I don't know, just real quick. What did you say? Basically I went to see him when he was, he gave a book talk at NC State for his Uh children's book. And I went up to him afterwards and I said, wow, you're really wise. How did you get there? And he said, a lot of therapy. And then we moved on. Oh, it might have been the same time. He was in North Carolina. And he and his parents walked into the bookstore where I worked. And he saw my eyes goggle at him. And he strenuously avoided me. So I didn't get to say, hey, brother. (laughs) Which probably would have been annoying. Probably. But I will testify to the fact that you say that to your own brother. All the time. (laughs) Um, Okay. So... I guess it's time for. Oh, jeez! Out, Out of practice. You, you give me the lead. It's in. time for <whistles> Wilf whistle. This is a message or goodwill or something we're sending out to a Wilf or the Wilfs in general. Yes, and also, you know, if you're listening, we have an Instagram and an email, and if you have a response to our Wilf whistle, 
become your own wilf and respond at wilf podcast on instagram and wilf podcast at gmail.com i do not check it <laughs> but we could we could um what's your wolf whistle um my question to them is why do you keep doing what you're doing ah um i feel like they i mean they talk about it fairly regularly about how they get to their point of conviction regarding writing or speaking or sharing creative things but um is there some other do they do they have another hidden suspicion about why they do what they do Mm. do they like the sounds of their own voices they truly must i hope so (laughs) and what does your ww uh, my wolf whistle is just a simple question. How do you deal with monotony? Mm. I'm living in the monotony right now. <laughs> and sometimes it hits me and deep in my belly and I think, whew, this is tough. Is it when you wake up and you think, again? <laughs> Actually, it's usually in the early evening when I sort of am winding things down. I think, oh, wow, it just all happened again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am about to feel that as soon as we're done with this. Yeah, well, this is different. True, true. Um, but anyway, would love some insight into how to break up that monotony. I feel like Martha Beck might have some real, mm, real something about, about like looking at a leaf and like feeling yourself within the leaf. Yeah, seeing each moment as a crystalline bit of magic. Mm. Um, so uh, just answered my own dang wolf whistle. <laughs> um, oh my god, does that make you a wolf? wolf? Have we been the wolves? This whole, whole time? time?